so hey everyone welcome back to our podcast it's your host shivam and today's episode is going to be an exciting deep dive into the world of generative ai prompt engineering and llms we have got a fantastic guest today with us meet arnav gupta from synaptics uh, arnav have been posting a great insightful content on linkedin and i personally love few of them so i can't wait for all of you to hear the from the man himself so let's get started yeah arnav so we would like to know how did you get into ai Hi Shivam. To begin with, like I really like the concept of like you recording these calls and making this into a podcast. Like really good logs that you're keeping, uh, and really helpful for people who are like actually getting into the field of AI or data science together. So thanks, like, thanks. Yeah. So uh, hi guys. Uh, I'm Arnav. So I work for this firm called Synaptic as a senior machine learning engineer. and what synaptic does like i'll just like brief you through what my company around like so i've been here since 2020 and i was kind of interested around the space of startups as well so uh, i used a startup and like i used to do a lot of things around nlp knowledge graph and ai around that time so i was just going through this medium article once and like i saw this one blog so that helped me connect to like i pointed out like the blog was around uh knowledge graphs and how a certain company was actually using it to make to fetch better startups out there for the investors so this really like was a big thing for me because it opened a space where like both of my uh, interest aligned so i reached out to the hr i applied for the job and this was right after college i already had a job in place but i thought like this was much cooler i had a job at a like mnc but i thought like it would be much better to go into a startup as as early stage like back then synaptic was small as well synaptic had almost like 40 to 50 employees i guess and now it's almost three folded it's 150 so it's been three big years so like what synaptic does is synaptic is a platform for the pe and vc firms to get information about companies on how well they are doing so they focus on private equity market especially and when i say private equity markets majorly different from your public uh, market where retail investors like us can invest in. but in private markets more like the vcs the pe firms they put in money into these startups like you have heard of series a b c round right so that that space is like totally taken over by vcs and pes and they invest in these startups with a huge lump sum of money you must have heard like 1 million dollar 100 million dollar sometimes more than billion something something like that so what we do like our clients are these vcs and our whole system is connecting the dots of different metrics so like for you if you are into private uh, market the information about startups is really hard to get it's not like public market where you are putting out filings and information about the companies because the you are liable to the public retail investors but in private market you are not really liable to anyone so you don't really have to put out your financial statements so it's really hard to figure out how well a startup is doing just by the name itself so there are certain proxies that we use to figure out so you can think it as a data points that we use to figure out how give us each startup a score 
so these data points are first thing is like as simple as employee count if employee count of a company is increasing you can say the startup might be doing well or if if there is like the number of visits for employees increasing you can say uh, the startup might be doing well so there are certain metrics using those metrics we club it all together for the startup to form an opinion for algorithm start an opinion on like how uh, what score to give and using that score we generate a like exhaustive set of startups that might be doing well uh, startups which might be like in the downfall currently so what we are doing is like we are getting raw information in the form of time series or in the form of textual data through news so in news as well you can say see like if a certain segment or if a certain uh, startup got funding so using that information stitching it all together to form to build in insights for these vcs so this is where like the whole uh, synaptics ml system come into place and this is like what we had been handling since uh, like since 2019 2018 we started it and post that like till now we have grown a lot into in those terms so yeah like uh, that that is what i'm currently working on sure that's that's really great actually uh, that's quite pretty interesting uh, use case of an ai like this is the first time i'm think like listening that we are defining different kind of kpis using artificial intelligence to score yeah. the competitiveness of an startup that's that's really a great thing i'm sure once we really excited to work on that kind of a project yeah i mean it's pretty interesting like each and every day you get to know about something and like uh, since we have recently sourced something like LinkedIn information, which is like the people data. So yeah. I'll brief you about that as well. Like uh, how good or like what algorithms or what kind of systems that we are building currently helps uh, get like all of the entities across the world in business space could be like startups, could be schools, could be investors, could be people. So everything is interconnected to each other and how each and everything is giving each other a score through some algorithm. So currently we have just in, ingested this people data from LinkedIn, for like core signal, and we just uh, are building a big graph of this. This whole graph is contained of these uh, data points that I just told you. And using the interconnectivity and initial uh, scoring we can figure out like what all scores every person gets so something like you can figure out elon musk would must be having a much better score than someone who's a smaller uh founder some some someone like uh sachin bansal which is like might be getting a less score than elon musk sachin bansal come that might be like very early stage uh founders of like companies so we can give in that scores take schools into account like which schools are good which schools are not good and like the whole network uh, the so vc is a big network game as well when it comes to data like you have company data that you have so second thing is like the network thing and now that we have started uh, giving uh, this network thing much more weightage over like the raw data that we used to give so yeah that's that's another aspect synaptic is currently working on and there has been uh, like our hands-on news as well, like uh, taking information from news, 
the raw textual format data and this is where like most of the llm use case also arrive so yeah that's that's great so uh, yeah i know would you like to like tell us any ai and llm project that personally like you are currently involved in so uh, so like we had a lot so since the advent of gpt like a lot of things got easier for us like in terms of nlps the space that something that we used to do we back in my earlier so before this synaptic i was in this firm called avamo which was uh, like a startup around consumers like not consumer service but like customer service we provided a chatbot and we provided like interface for the end user to query anything about faqs or uh, documentation of a website and what we did, did back then was like we created a knowledge graph of entities uh, writing heuristics right taking some uh, large transformers to fit in and do standardization as well so back then we were building this knowledge graph of entities and it used to be such a tedious task nowadays when since the advent of gpts it's much easier like you put in a text and ask it to just give you the tuples back like the subject object predicate and use that as your graph entities and edges it's much easier to build a knowledge graph nowadays out of news articles so you can see like obama might be connected to uh, hillary clinton somehow you can see obama might be connected to africa something like that so it's it's a huge knowledge graph that you can build and knowledge graph i think is the foundation of most of the question and question answering system at, at least back in 2022 since and since the advent of like gpts what what has been a big thing for us was we started our building like as soon as gpt came out we started of building this internal thing called synaptic gpt where you can come in and like just put in information uh, about i want a startup in usa which was founded in 2022 by uh, ex google employee something like that and maybe you get information about it a startup in uh, ai spaced around uh, copywriting so you might get a lot list of startups which are doing that only so building a gpt around that is kind of what we planned on and still are like thriving around initially we built up mvp it worked out well we had a lot of challenges around it because uh, we were doing all of the rag implementation and all together so one of uh, one of the biggest features that we shipped two months ago was the semantic search thing where you can come in and search any kind of startup you want like mm. so that's thing in google right now if you want to search like what you do you go search startups in uh video editing space using ai you want to get a exhaustive list and compare their metrics around it so we just gave in a description search which is more of semantic so here it is a very big challenge because since we are getting a lot of information about startups solely basing everything around just a single description isn't enough so we had to we had to use the website data we had to use different different sources of description which in itself is a big uh, prompt you can say if you have to summarize it all together for mm -hmm. the model to even generate embedding out of it mm -hmm. so like the context lent used to cross so 
earlier GPT's context length was like 4,000 or something. So we had to somewhat crunch all of it within 4,000 token. And one of the biggest challenge was like summarization. How do you go about it? <clears throat> biggest, uh, biggest challenge that we face. So we went around building a lot of custom uh, summarizers and even using the normal open source models and tuning it such that we can get the right keywords at least for each company's given a big paragraph we can get like 20 30 words of keywords around it and using that as both us so our search used to be high hybrid it's more of so i'll tell you the components around it the components more is uh, first you give it a prompt for search okay so the prompt goes into this um uh, vector space so like you embed it you put it into vector space and you have a lot of companies data which once summarized you change into a vector you change again like you do your cosine similarity against which is very basic uh semantic search rag implementation you can think of but since it's not a rag like generative answer we didn't really want to get we just want to get the cosine similarity of it we got the cosine similarity ranked it but post that like this is like every startup out there is doing currently and for us to be somewhere even better the results were coming out to be okay-ish not that great when you do cosine similarity on that big of a set so we are currently handling around 5 million uh, sorry 0.5 million companies over over which we have to do the semantic search in like less than uh sufficient time i mean less than 10 seconds or five seconds to give out the best results that we can think of out there in industry because a lot of our competitors are doing the same but what they're doing is they are just doing this normal cosine similarity semantic search so we had to add a component of much better accuracy so we used this core anchor thing uh, re-ranker thing of cohere mm -hmm. so what re-ranker does is like it takes in it has uh, the cohere read anchor is a big LLM model, which which is a cross encoder in itself. From what we can think of, obviously they have not made this public, but like what we think, like we also tried building a, a custom read anchor in house itself. Uh, what we used was like some big uh, some cross encoders at the end, and the cross encoders used to read rank the. Um, passages like once you get the set of passages if you do cross encoding around it like comparing each other against each which is a kind of a tedious process a lot of compute a lot of time goes into so we had to cut down that so what what we were doing our first filtering mechanism was first funnel was doing normal semantic search take the top end results send that into a re-ranker the re-ranker re-ranks all of it once you get uh the re-ranking you you basically show it to the user so there are like two levels of re-ranking and retrieval so even after that we we were getting pretty good results like but that had a limit because the re-ranker uh cost was a big issue for us the api that we were using second thing was um we couldn't get the entire corpus as in like the, the re-ranker only used to re-rank top n, top 100, top a maximum it can support 5,000 um, items to compare against. So 5,000 rank you can only re-rank. You cannot re-rank entirely across all the companies. 
so we wanted a tool that can do that and i think that need for us um, made us like get into vector databases so when i say about vector databases it's not like your pinecone and all which does that pinecone does something like internally so they don't really disclose their algorithm as such how they do it uh, we wanted to build something which is totally in house our own custom search so we moved into clickhouse which can support a huge amount of data and clickhouse is a columnar database uh, which provide a very good olap facility so what clickhouse does is clickhouse provides you uh, is a normal database of like sql relational database over that you can add a vector side of it as well so one of the data types is vector and it supports a very fast vector retrieval as well so we thought of moving all of our algorithm once we get the embeddings as such all of the co-rank uh, re-rank and everything to move into re-ranking and even doing semantic search just using sql so all of this ha is happening inside your query itself you're not taking out the vector in python or something because first we wanted a fast uh, system putting python in place was actually um, kind of a hindrance for us we knew what mathematical operation needs to be performed and we wrote it down through a query did the normal cosine uh, search and then post that we do a re-ranking just inside the query itself which was the cross join thing which uh, the clickhouse provides clickhouse is pretty cool library i if not like it's not sponsored obviously but like clickhouse uh, is one of the very good databases out there currently uh, apache doris is coming along but it doesn't provide the vector facility yet but in terms of um, doing your know, most of the machine learning task if it's more of a mathematical thing if you have to just do cosine similarity uh, in terms of search at least uh, clickhouse is coming out to be pretty well with its cross join functionality and normal uh, cosine similarity so we actually came out with a pretty decent results and you know like we were able to query very bulk of data get back all of it all of the data points in the order of their score not just the top 5000 all of it uh, so this like made us uh, independent of cohere second thing was everything was doing in house so like it, it reduced the cost and was a kind of upgrade over a search system so this is what we uh, shipped out recently and that's, that's really great yeah. yeah so in that that is like what we worked on now we are starting to work on so that was a generative part of things alongside that like we are actually uh, every day i'm getting into happen news reading around gpts and trying to see like how we can build in a custom G gpt so that we don't really have to rely on open ai or anything else so all of these that uh, uh, llama models are coming out how can we optimize it to run it on uh, our smaller machines instead of larger machines to fine tune it in a very fast fashion to get the best results which are comparable with gpt4 so we are working on that as well so i think if you guys don't really know um, recently there, there was this peft thing that came out if you know of like parameter uh, efficient fine tuning yeah 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 
So what it does is like it kind of minimizes your computation and your uh, resource footprints altogether. So it allows you to like train your uh, AI models uh, in a very broad range of hard hardware. Like I remember seeing this particular article, someone trained their AI model inside a Pixel phone. So using left only, yeah, parameter efficient fine tuning. So and that is like something pretty, uh, pretty cool. And we are also like checking out and understanding how we can go about it. There were so like something. I think few days back only Llama adapter came, if you remember. So what it does is like you can get very good results from Llama, and just by compressing the model, and be at par with something like GPT three point five, just using Llama two. So there are multiple methods that they pointed out. Like so, when Llama adapter came, it kind of took into two of the previous mentioned methods. I remember one was around uh, prefix tuning, and one other thing was around just the normal adapters that came out for transformers. So if if you want to, if you want me to get a bit technical, I can get into that as well around like uh, what are different adapters that came out and how they helped around with the tuning and making the model to work on very small small devices so i've been i've been reading around it a lot and maybe i was thinking of writing a blog around it as well so i can just give you a gesture of it like what prompt prefix tuning was and what adapters were so the prefix tuning is more of a like uh hack around your transformer what we do is like instead of um, give so there are something called a soft prompt tuning something mm -hmm. called hard hard prompt tuning is like you yourself giving a prompt and just changing and checking out results and again 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 mm -hmm. so that's like most of the people do which is like hard prompt tuning for mm -hmm. soft prompt tuning is um, it's just to add a trainable tensor to each transformer's block instead of uh, only the input embeddings. So, mm -hmm. like usually, what you do is like you take uh, you put a trainable tensor just on the input uh, tensor, but like you can do it for the each block as such. So, using that, like it it can achieve up to model performance of uh, like. Same as if you, so there are multiple ways of fine tuning to start with. One of the fine tuning is you just have a top layer. So you have a LLM, you get, get the embeddings, you have a top layer, you just add single layer, you add it for the classification purpose. Okay. Second thing of uh, prompt tuning is, um, sorry, fine tuning is you actually adding a full dense, ve uh, dense vector, sorry, dense network at the end of your uh, LLM models. Uh, like embedding that you are getting, so training that dense le uh, level vector, dense uh, network. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't train the LLM; it just trains the dense network. So okay. third, third time of uh, fine tuning is like you actually training all of it, like the LLM LLM side as well. So if you train the LLM, it is more costly. It turns out to give a much better results in terms of like you just uh, train your the top layer. So it's better like if you train all of your so there are like three types of fine tuning usually when people talk about fine tuning it's mostly around just the last layer because it's much more uh, 
it is kind of efficient and less costly so uh, there are like this is where like prompt uh, tuning and prefix tuning comes in what it does is it it just says ki you just add a few layers inside your uh, llm and you just make those trainable so these four layers like if you add it right after your uh, full dense network inside your llm instead of training all of your network so you can disable enable whatever layer you want to train so in your big llm if you just like put in four or five uh, these trainable tensors and you just train them and the last layer you might get a decent enough accuracy which is at par of fine tuning the entire model like an entire llm model so this was kind of uh, cool because like in terms of fine tuning a lot of people do face this challenge that they don't really good get that good of a result and the llm doesn't really get in uh, the embedding that you are getting won't really uh, contain information specific to your domain so i mean that is pretty cool in terms like how you can fit in uh, how you can do very good fine tuning get better results and fit in a small model and maybe use that instead of using your uh, entirely big which could adhere to a lot of cost for uh, companies currently Definitely. Actually, yeah, there has been lots of debate is going on using universal LLMs versus tiny language models. As you have correctly mentioned, like we can build our own custom tiny LLMs models, just training the like the upper layers at that. You can achieve better results in comparison to universal LLM for a specific task. Yeah, that so, is that completely makes sense. So, yeah, yeah, you are saying something. Yeah, so that's that's like kind of uh, intriguing because uh, nowadays it's like more of I think even people want to I mean at least the big companies don't want to rely on OpenAI solely for these purposes because generative AI is big currently and uh, people would want to build something of their like something they can host on prem uh, as solely like not using some external APIs for it because like it kind of adds a dependency and in in terms like your the open ai service or some other service goes down it like uh, could hamper you guys as well so yeah that's there and plus the another info, like another reason for us to build an in house llm model is the data privacy thing as well because all of these investors are putting like millions of dollars currently in startups mm-hmm. and the information around it is pretty sensitive you cannot you cannot compromise on uh someone some other investor getting some other investors data which is a very bad example in the space that we are currently working on because it it works with networking and it works with what other investors are talking about if other investors get to know even a slight a bit they can get into a deal and may uh hamper a deal of like 10 million 30 million something like that so all of this information is pretty sensitive sending it out to open ai is kind of uh hard for us so we we don't really want to do that and even if we had like we tried thinking of like actually sending it out till, till the time we create our own llm uh, like host our own llm 
So one way is like you actually mask the information. So another trick is like you put a hash function, kind of a hash function where you add one digit after every fourth consecutive letter or like something like that. You create a rule which can encode and decode your data. So you encode your data, maybe replace numbers that you're getting for a certain startup, replace it with some multiplied by 10 to the power 3 or multiplied by e to the power 7. Send that number instead of exact number. So that is some uh, jugad that we can say, but I don't think so that's feasible. Uh, that's why like we even went ahead thinking of like deploying or deploying our own llama to or some open source llm no that's that's really great actually sure like you talked a lot on prompt tuning and llm fine tuning both so in your experience how do you balance between let's say prompt tuning or prompt engineering and llm fine tuning so i mean both are kind of uh so both kind of achieve the same task. So like, for example, let's, let's say I want to put in a news article and I want to just extract the metrics out of it, certain keyword metrics out of it. Fine. This is my task. And I give it to a GPT and I ask, like, extract me all the financial metrics from this, uh, from this passage. So it will do, it will extract it. But sometimes it won't really follow my guidelines as such. Like I won't be getting the right set of right either the set of results or right format of the results. So if I ask, like, give me back a JSON format, so it's not really giving me back a JSON format. I have to write it in some fashion, strictly give it back me in JSON format, or add certain keywords. So I mean, so recent, like, apparently recently only when Pydantic came out with their solution around it so pydantic is a really cool framework if if any one of you guys haven't heard of it i think you guys should try it out so pydantic uh, along with langchain came out with their um, basically it's pydantic is kind of a data class only data class of python what they do is like they provide validation and a way of describing your data like your you have a class something like um, a ship a ship contains of a, a like a sailor um, a captain a crew and staff something like that so inside ship you have these so you can describe these like captain is the captain of ship something like this so you can send this object through open ai's uh, not through OpenAI, but through Langchain, which converts into a prompt. And that prompt template is basically uh, giving you back the result in that class format itself. It parses, give you back the results in the class format itself. So you would be getting a pretty deterministic output always in, the, in those terms. So uh, I see a lot of people actually facing this issue of them, them actually writing in prompt, give it back to me in JSON. And like spe they specify the type, like what what the format of JSON is, and then doing some regex over it to figure out okay now it's fitting the regex. Just take it out like that, convert it into a JSON object, and once you are done with that, then then you start processing. So Pydantic makes it so simpler. So like 
I really love the Pydantic library. So like, I especially use it uh, when I'm doing like hard prompting, uh, just putting out the prompt and getting back the results in a defined format. But for some cases, like the case I had told you, uh, extracting the metrics. Now the thing is that these metrics for OpenAI, for GPT, it's like always a different like context for it. Like even if I provided an exhaustive list of metrics, it won't really be able to get the like it won't be really be able to get like what standard metrics are. So it could be it could be like my metric list is so large that it doesn't fit into context length. Then what will I do? Then this is where like I have to go about you like fine tuning my model, fine tuning it so that I can reduce my uh, like the prompt as such like i don't really have to give the list again again and again it will learn using the prompt uh, using the fine-tuned examples that i'm giving so i'm like giving it example of like give me out the metrics for this news article these are the metrics for this news article these are the metrics so it will understand the pattern and understand like i have to only uh, get the metrics of which are like more of financial space not normal metrics so using that we i like what we built around news was like we were able to figure out what all metrics we need to figure out and putting that unstructured information into a structured formation so yeah that that is how we use uh normal prompting and the fine-tuning thing in our that's, that's quite uh, uh insightful actually Achha, so when you said ki, okay, we do extensive fine tuning so that we can train the upper layer, the model rather than the hard prompting. So how do you even like every time let's say you build the model and then you are shipping the like the product, then every time the user or some that every time the input will keep changing. So yeah, how do you so in in my case the input summary is usually different articles they keep on changing so few articles won't be having uh, certain metrics few might be having few might be in the format of like very different format it won't be you won't be able to pass it properly as well like there would be lines there would be a lot of i mean you would require some kind of pre-processing over it and post that only like whatever we think fits uh, fits as a good a paragraph that only we put in we don't really put in like some garbage or table content text currently so like you mentioned pre-processing so is that pre-processing can be handled by prompt engineering itself like you can transform the input itself good prompt then you pass it to your fine so, so we are pretty uh like we always try to keep our price into check so we don't really want to give much of um, much of the context as such like that will increase our cost we would want if we can provide a shorter context using some heuristic using some other methods that we can think of we try do, doing some pre-processing from our end obviously like from prompt engineering and uh, yeah if if i could get a template around how to do the best uh, pre-processing of at least news text. I would be maybe thinking of giving a try and benchmarking against our heuristics that we have. If that works out pretty decent, maybe um, we would like we would like to think of using the prompt 
in such a way that like it pre-processes as well. Right, right. Achha, so one of the key challenges that we see like people are facing with is like whether they are fine-tuning the models or whether they are like doing the prompt engineering. So how do you evaluate the generated output text from LLMs? Yeah, so I think that is a that is a tedious task. I mean that that is a problem I think a lot of people are facing currently as well. Uh, nowadays people don't really have a gold standard to compare it against. People are rather generating gold standards through LLM and comparing their own internal model against that. So taking okay, that like like evaluating those gold standard is a challenge. Yeah, exactly. It's like a chicken egg problem. Exactly. That's that's one of the biggest challenges. I think there are tools out there. Uh, Grok even put out their own. Uh, they haven't like put it out yet, but they put out in their blog the Grok, the uh, XAI thing that Elon Musk started. So they have their own easy prompt engineering. So something like what you guys are building. I don't know if you guys have seen it or not, but they are uh, building a software for evaluating these prompt, like different prompts, creating a history around it, and versioning each prompt, seeing how well each is doing against another, benchmarking their results. So Grokin's working around that particular tool. So I really found that interesting, and I see the reason as well, like why uh, they thought of building this, this out. It's a very uh, interesting thing to do. Um, because like it's really hard to unless or until you make someone sit and uh, verify the gold standards of uh -huh. yeah. then only it yeah. makes sense it's a very yeah. tedious task and i wish like there are better methods around it maybe we will be discussing about that when i saw the info okay so do you yeah. think like measuring the performance of our llm features in production like is important yeah obviously i mean so the thing is uh people nowadays have this perception that if they build an mvp with uh, gpt it would work the same in production as well and like the expectations they have usually don't really match llms are good enough for mvps currently the stage of llms at least is good enough for mvps to make it a production level it requires a lot of challenges it's not a straightforward process you have to like as easy as you have to work with uh, different prompts you have to like once your prompt is out there you have to evaluate your results if you don't find the results good enough you have to do some pre-processing again maybe train your own fine-tuned model further then there are like multiple levels of fine-tuning that i discussed earlier like just training the last layer, last network, or maybe putting different layers inside your LLM, training that, and maybe training the whole network altogether. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's how I think. Uh, like people usually go about putting these um, LLM models into production. Once it is out there, once it is in production, it's really so the whole LM thing is like it works as a black box currently. Yes. It, so to to get the right results out there, you have to get into the nitty gritties of like fine tuning it or maybe pre-training it at some cost. Like 
for big corporation at least like they are pre-training it over so like i think that's the biggest challenge currently uh, for us is um, to get into production once it is in production it's it's good like if you can keep it in production and people are happy with it but like this is how at least we in synaptic go about putting our efforts when we are putting something out in production and still we are yet to put out things that we have worked on generative ai because we are still not confident confident like how will the results look uh -huh. definitely definitely so moving to the end of our podcast like so how do you ensure you are up to date with these evolving generative ai landscape so i'll tell you about that like i i've been following ai since forever and i tried to nuke myself with whatever article whatever feed i can get so i created a bot around it as well <laughs> which specially does that so i scrape hacker news i scrape reddit i scrape uh, twitter and i actually pay twitter to scrape me for, uh, all the ai happenings currently summarize that use gpt around it and summarize that and send me a morning slack message what all happened yesterday so this is this is how i go about that's, it that's quite of a work to just be updated on the yeah but that was a cool project i made a... yeah, definitely it's a cool one yeah. yeah it's a cool one and it's quite useful it's it's actually for useful. anyone yeah. it's 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 not just around ai i have done it like across startup space and the like entrepreneurship space as well so it's it's really good actually it's quite great and i think like maybe in future i can actually add this as a feature in synaptic <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely that would add, add value to the end users of the synaptic yeah. okay then guys uh, that's all for today we discussed quite in detail today the uh, like the llm fine tuning and prompt engineering and so you would have find it quite insightful if you have any questions for arnav then please put it into the comment we'll reach out to the arnav and we'll get the answers for you so thanks arnav uh, thanks a lot for your time today for sharing your experience and the learnings with the community uh, it was really thanks, great sir. actually we thanks, learned a lot of new things yeah okay then thanks thanks a lot arnav thank you bye bye